You guys really think I'm a werewolf? Well, we can't take any chances. There's a full moon tonight. Wait a minute. I understand the rope, but what's the deal with the gag and kimono? I don't know, but I walked in on my parents once and they were using all three. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this, we're, we're reaching an endgame here. This is Season 4, Episode 10. Which is Book 5, Chapter 10. Fall. Fall. Ooh, I don't think that really relates to anything that happened here in this episode, like, at all. I mean, I guess Enchanted Glass fell from the sky. I was looking at the next episode to see if it was, like, a thing, like... Thematically, like, fall and rise, or, yeah. Right, uh, Breaking Bad used to, Breaking Bad did that a couple of times, like, um, they had two episodes in a row called The Cats in the Bag and The Bags in the River, mm-hmm. and then they had, gosh, I forget what the number was, but it was, like, it was several episodes in a row, and it was, like, 350 down over Albuquerque. But no, fall makes no sense. You know, it's funny, fall doesn't make any sense, much like the title Snow Falls didn't make any sense when we had that one. The titles... No, but maybe they just don't know what fall means. Uh, Yeah, the titles are... are They're either kind of non-indicative or lazy. I can't remember the last time we had a title where it was like, ah, yeah, clever. I, I remember some that I got really mad at. To remind everyone, in the past, Ingrid froze everyone in Arendelle. For, but not the kind of freezing that kills you. The right. other kind. The kind that just freezes you. And also, the last episode ended with Ingrid casting the spell of Shattered Sight over the town. Which means that surely this episode will begin with everybody going crazy and hating each other. Because that's what the spell of Shattered Sight does. No, instead this is like in the last episode when Emma took like half an hour to walk across a room. This is the way the spell of Shattered Sight works. It just hangs out for a while before kicking in. Yeah, although, I mean, I guess to be fair, it goes into effect at sundown, and that's sufficiently magical that I'll give it to them. Yeah. Which, uh, as the episode begins, Rumple and Ingrid are talking about this. And Rumple's like, so, everyone's not murdering each other. And she's like, yeah, sundown. Yeah, the darkness. This episode should have been called Darkness Falls. Yeah, I wonder if they had trouble with the uh, people who made that movie about the evil tooth fairy. Emma Caulfield was in that. Huh. It was called Darkness Falls. Which, conceptually not a... It's conceptually not a horrible idea, but... And conceptually, it's not that far from Once Upon a Time. Now I'm trying to, like, mesh them together. Right? Like... Is the Tooth Fairy also the blind witch from Hansel and Gretel? I mean, you can do a lot of cool, scary stuff with Aiden, the evil Tooth Fairy. They didn't, but you could. So it really does fit into the Once Upon a Time universe. I read on the internet when I was reading about Darkness Falls. Uh, she's not so much a Tooth Fairy as she is a kills you if you see her in the dark fairy. But, but that doesn't. What the Tooth Fairy does? 
No, it's she comes to pick up your last tooth, and if you see her, she kills you, but she can't kill you if you're in the light because she's afraid of the light because she was burned to death because the people who made that movie saw Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, so this actually is interesting. Um, I think I was listening to, I think I was reading about this, or I think they might have been talking about this on a parenting podcast I listened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slate's mom and dad are fighting, although I'm not certain that's where I was hearing this. But they were talking about how weird it is that tooth fairy mythology is pretty much different from household to household. Like, different families have different ways the tooth fairy operates, but there's not a universally accepted this is the way the tooth fairy operates. Well, I feel like that's true with most less defined childhood mythological creatures. Like, what the fuck does the Easter Bunny do? The Easter Bunny hides eggs. And also brings you chocolate. The chocolate's inside the eggs. Okay, wait. Was that something your parents did? My parents just gave me an Easter basket that had, like, chocolate stuff in it. It was separate wait, from the egg. Your parents didn't hide eggs for you? No, they hid eggs, but that was, like... Oh, yeah, no, I had a basket separate from the eggs. But that was... The Easter Bunny didn't bring the baskets. That was just my mom being like, Chocolate! Oh, no, the Easter Bunny brought the basket. Hey, did the Easter Bunny bring baskets? You know what? You know what? I think maybe the Easter Bunny did bring baskets. But that was secondary to hiding the eggs. Yeah, that was the big thing. That's the fun part. It's odd that there aren't more Easter movies. I mean, there was that, uh, there was Hop, which uh, James Marston was in. Yes, yes he was. Fancy Cyclops. I saw an Easter movie when I was, okay, there's an Easter movie that I think I had on VHS when I was a kid because I remember seeing it a lot. Um, and it was like a non-Christian Easter mythology movie. Huh. And I don't remember who did it. So if anybody knows who did it, I, I wish they would tell me. But Was it Golden Films? That sounds sort of Golden Films-y. Uh, no, because it was puppets. It wasn't, oh. wasn't animated. It was done with puppets. Um, and the things I remember about it are, I remember... Um, when they peeled the Easter egg, they were able to do it in one long shell, which I can sometimes do, and I'm always so proud when I can do that. And there was a kingdom with, like, a overprotective queen who wouldn't let them celebrate, and they could only eat beans, and that's why they made jelly beans, so that they could have candy that was still a bean. And they named, and her name was Lily, and they named the Easter Lily after her so that she would be so flattered that she would let them celebrate Easter. Those are the thing. Those are the three things I remember about this movie. All right, uh, listeners, you're you're on it. If if you recognize that, it just seems odd that I mean, there's there was Hop. There's apparently that this I, weird movie that I dreamed up. And I feel like Hop was ambiguously a children's movie because it's mostly about James Marston trying to find a job. <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, Hugh Jack. Oh, technically. Technically speaking, Rise of the Guardians is an Easter movie. Hugh Jackman does play the Easter Bunny in that movie. And it takes place at Easter. Oh, does it? Yeah, that's the big holiday that they're trying to save. Huh. You couldn't tell because the main character is Jack Frost and all the advertising was around Santa Claus, but... What were we talking about? Uh, Once Upon a Time. Oh, so so Rumpel confronts Ingrid and tells her that basically... He's immune from the... Bill of Shattered Sight. This will be a theme this episode. A lot of people we're going to suddenly realize are immune from it. 
We already knew that Emma and Elsa were immune, but now Rumpel's immune too. Well, I mean, he's the dark one, so. Okay. Anyway, he says that he's just going to hang around and harass her if she doesn't do him another favor. He's basically doing the dark one equivalent of like, not touching you can't get mad. Not touching you can't get mad. He says he's going to spend all of his time after... He points out how dumb the plan is. He says, after everyone in Storybrooke is dead and it's just you and Emma and Elsa doing whatever you're going to do when everyone in Storybrooke's dead. Whatever you're going to do. She wants sisters. That's weird. We're close. Oh, God. Yeah, that's the weird thing. But anyway... He says, you know, it's just going to be the three of you and me, and I'm going to spend all my time trying to kill you. You well, could have be- killed her at any point. <laughs> in the- <laughs> no, he, he doesn't want to kill her, though. He wants her to let him and Belle and Henry out of the town. And so, which she agrees to. Well, she was like, didn't we already basically make this deal? And he's like, yes, but I didn't specify Belle and Henry. And I was pretty sure he specified Belle, but I also didn't feel like going back to look and see if he did. Well, also, it's not just that he didn't specify Belle. It's that he, his plan to get out of the town with his power intact failed. He didn't actually manage to capture Emma in the hat. So, so he needs a plan B now. Now, when I was watching this normally when it first aired, I didn't think there was anything weird about this. But now that we've been watching it and intently analyzing each episode as we go, I have to ask, when did he start caring about Henry? Uh, I think it was after Neil died. Okay. Do we actually see him start caring about Henry? Because I don't feel like we do. Well, remember, Henry is ambiguously his apprentice at this point. Yeah, Something but... that's been brought up, like, twice. Yeah, but Henry's doing that But Henry's doing that to be a spy, and it's true that Rumpel let himself be manipulated by having Henry remind him of Neil, but... I just don't get the feeling that he cares about the kid enough to make saving him a provision of the deal he's making with Ingrid. Eh, I can see it. I mean, this is literally, Henry's literally the last part of Neil that's still alive and kicking. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. It might also be a, remember in Charmed how Cole seduced Phoebe, you know, so he could infiltrate their, their house and do like evil shit to them? Yeah. And then at some point, his pretending that he loved Phoebe became real, but they didn't do a good job of clarifying that, so it just seemed like he was faking it, and then suddenly he was actually in love with her. Yeah. That. Okay. But with Henry. Because remember, Rumpel had the thing back in the Peter Pan season where he's all, oh, I care about Henry, I'm not going to, the boy's not going to be in my undoing. And then he sort of died, and then, also, ooh. He was merged with Neil. Oh, yeah, he was. Do you think some of Neil's, like, love for Henry might have gotten into him? It's an interesting idea. The show certainly hasn't led us to believe that's the case, but that's certainly an interesting idea. Hmm. Anyway, in the clock tower, which is on top of the library in the middle of town, all of the main characters have gathered to watch the cloud of shattered glass come towards them slowly. So they can speculate about how terrible everything's going to be. This is an episode where everyone's really good at guessing specific details. It really, really is. Remember earlier in the season when Anna found out that Ingrid had been lying about being their mother's sister and she just automatically assumed that she killed the third sister? And it's like, well, that is what happened, but that's quite a leap for you to make. Yeah. 
that hap- that's like the theme of this episode. It's like, that is true, but that's quite a leap for you to make. Because Regina says, it's probably going to hit by sundown, which that's very specific, but okay. And also accurate. David's suggestion is that they all go into the mines so the glass won't, you know, land on them. And she's like, it's magic. It's not going to be stopped by not being outside. Okay, so weird thing about this episode. I don't know how I feel about it because people are doing really annoying things in this episode. I am very annoyed at people's behavior in this episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But everyone's sarcasm game is on point. Oh, yeah. And I do love that. So, Emma's plan is to evacuate the town, which... Okay, but, like, in the three years that this show has... In the three years that you've known about this town, it's always been impossible to leave it. I don't know why you think right now in the middle of an emergency you're going to figure it out. Well, I mean, they did manage to evacuate the town at the end of the Peter Pan thing by breaking the curse and sending them all back to fairytale land. But Wait, they didn't evacuate the town. They made the town not exist anymore. But he got everyone out by undoing its existence. Okay, well, that's not the plan now. The plan now is to tear down the ice wall. No, no, no. No, no. See, that's what I thought the first time I watched this. Then when I was rewatching it with you later, the plan is for David to climb to the top of the ice uh, wall and carry people over one by one over the town line. You're right. You're right. That is what he says the plan is. No, I was right with you, though, because David runs over to the ice wall and hits it with a pick, which is not how you climb, I don't think. I don't think you climb by running at something and hitting it with a pick. It reminded me of when Anna ran into the ice wall with a pick earlier this season. Oh my god, that is exactly what happened. She must have also taught him how to rock climb. Uh, While she was teaching him a sword fight, she must have taught him her terrible way of rock climbing. But all it does is create a fissure that burps up uh, Anna's necklace that Elsa lost in the ice wall earlier this season. Which is actually super convenient and I, and exactly what they need, but... Yeah, it's, it's a little... Uh, this episode leans really, really heavily on contrived coincidences. Oh, the one at the end, I, I, you know what? I'm okay with it right up until the end. The one at the end is just one coincidence too far for me. Although we don't even really in this episode get into what that thing is. But we'll talk about that. So Emma's like, okay, it looks like we won't be able to get to the town, so everyone's going to have to, like, werewolf protocol themselves. Get away from your loved ones, chain yourself to something sturdy. This town is terrible at werewolf protocol, by the way. This is part of what's pissing me off. And we'll talk about it more as the... We'll talk about it more as the curse gets closer. But I feel like these people are not taking their safety and the safety of people around them seriously. Yeah, I, I think it might come from being fairytale people, though. The whole, oh, love helps you beat out anything. So if you're just around your loved ones, you definitely won't kill them when this curse that makes you kill your loved ones kicks in. Also, this... How many people live in Storybrooke? Because they don't really seem to be telling the townsfolk in general anything. Well, I mean, word must have gotten out. I mean, I have to assume. Like, we only see... When they go to ta- when they go to climb over the town wall and then discover they can't, 
only Grumpy is with them. Maybe maybe the rest of the dwarves are telling everybody that they have to werewolf protocol themselves. Let's hope so. Because remember, this is a town that contains at least one kingdom, probably more. So I was thinking about how I would werewolf protocol myself. Mm-hmm. Because... The thing is, you're not actually a werewolf. You go crazy and want to kill everyone, but you maintain all of your intelligence. So you have to come up with a way to isolate yourself that you cannot break out of, but that you will be able to get out of when the spell has passed. Mm. That's actually a pretty big logistical problem. Luckily, Emma and Elsa are not going to be affected, so that can... That can help, but, well, we'll talk about that logistical problem a little bit more. See, I just uh, drive into the woods and then throw my keys away. Well, then you could just walk back into town, though. Well, not if I've driven far enough out, which presumably I would here. So, but you're, but you're, so your werewolf plan, though, is dependent upon the spell having been broken or wearing off before you get into town. Yeah. Okay. It's the season finale. It's not going to take them that long. (laughs) They don't necessarily know it's the season finale. I don't know. It feels like the season finale. But uh, Regina talks about... The whole group talks about what should be done with Henry. Regina wants to hang on to him, which is a very bad idea because she can kill people with her pointy, pointy thoughts. Also, she can teleport places. If she knows where Henry is, Henry is not safe. And Emma points out she should be the one taking care of Henry because she's immune to this. Although Regina does bring up the good point that, you know, she's going to be at the center of what's ever happening because the Snow Queen wants her. I mean, that is a good point. So we cut to uh, Emma and Elsa talking to Belle, who's like, the spell's basically unstoppable, except for this one thing you can do to stop it, which is building a... Well, it's not stopping it, I guess. It's... Well, the the spell is unstoppable, but we can vaccinate people. Um, much which like, much like ha- actual diseases. Although, but- that's not how vaccinations work, though. She's like, after everyone's infected, uh, if we have someone who's... Oh, oh, I think I... I think we had a different understanding of Belle's plan. I was thinking that the thing had to happen before the spell hit. And probably because she referred to it as a vaccine. Hmm. But now that I think about how this resolves itself, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like an antidote. It's after the spell hits. If if the fairies have someone who's been through the spell before... Uh, if you've been through the spell once, it can't affect you again. And they can take that person's immunity and spread it to everyone after the spell hits. Yeah, remember what I said a couple minutes ago about how we're just going to be getting people right and left now who are immune from the spell. Yeah. And... So presumably the fairies would be immune, right? Why are the fairies immune? I don't know. They're creatures of pure magic. They constantly want to kill everyone anyway. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess if the Dark One's immune, the fairies should be immune. They don't say it, and for reasons that are hilarious, it's not going to come up. But, yeah, you're right. They should be immune as well. But Elsa assumes that Anna has been through the spell. She's like, ah, Anna wouldn't have sucked me into the urn unless she was under this specific spell. She must have been through it. We find her. You can do this antidote spell. Which is a 
which is quite a leap to make, but also is true. And she uh, and she holds up the necklace, and she's like, "Now that we've got the necklace, we can do a locator spell on Anna and find her." Which is ignoring the fact that Anna might not be in Storybrooke, but I mean, wait, I, she's not. Yeah, uh, point of fact, she is not. And Belle's like, you know, they could probably just whip up something using the necklace because it's got. Well, okay. She looks at the necklace under a magnifying glass, and Belle's like, oh, hey, there are pieces of the spell embedded in this necklace. Belle, how do you know that? Remember remember at the end of season one, it just keeps the plot moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Speaking of, uh, back in Arendelle... Back in the flashback... Back in the flashback, uh, Arendelle gets unfrozen? Yeah. Arendelle is no longer frozen. Um, Again, this is not the sort of frozen that kills people. Like, you know, the ones we saw... Like the one we saw in the Frozen movie or the one we saw earlier in the season where Ingrid shattered her sister by accident. She's gotten better at it. She's she's more fine-tuned. She can freeze them without killing them. And... Now they're unfrozen, so Anna and Kristoff are unfrozen and trying to... F- so Anna and Kristoff are unfrozen and trying to figure out what to do. The urn is gone, and so is Ingrid. And then Anna notices a piece of gold straw on the ground. Is it gold straw? Yeah, it's straw uh, that's been turned into gold. Okay, I thought it was just straw. No. Okay, that makes more sense then, because... I was like, she finds a piece of straw on the floor and she's immediately like, oh, this must be that evil wizard person. I bet he took the urn with Elsa in it. And Kristoff annoyingly says that that's quite a stretch when... He could say, you're literally grasping at straw. He could, and yet he doesn't! Also, you know... He says, you're literally hanging assumption on a really thin straw, which is not an expression. No, grasping grasping at straws is the expression. But... Also, Anna's right. Yeah. Rumpelstiltskin does have the urn. Why would she assume he had the urn and not the hat? Yeah, the hat's the thing you stole from him. The hat's the thing he really wanted. But before they can have any further conversation, Hans and his four brothers burst in. The four brothers that they could afford. Okay, so this is going into the credits a little bit. Okay. This is jumping really far ahead. But I saw in the credits, I'm assuming this was one of the brothers was named Franz. And okay. I'm, I'm like, wait, do all of them have a name theme thing? Uh, it's entirely possible somebody else could have been named Franz, but I just saw someone listed as Franz in the credits. I'm like, did they give all of his brothers Anz names? Wow. Wow. That means they got through 12 before they decided on Hans. It seems unlikely. Okay. Anna has what is, honestly, it's a pretty great line. She says, I can't believe you're doing this. I sang with you. And everyone kind of side-eyes Hans. See, this is what I'm talking about. That's a hilarious line. And, and I know my feelings about this are not fair because this is a show for families. But I'm just so annoyed that they don't kill him. Hmm. Like, he causes so many problems. Just kill him. All right, so you know Batman Beyond. I do know Batman Beyond. Okay. Um, 
He killed people all the time on that show. Well, okay, not not Max Power though. Mm. So in the first episode, Terry's father is murdered, mm-hmm. and then he discovers that Bruce Wayne is Batman, and he takes the bat suit and he uh, decides that he's going to kill Max Powers, who was the person who killed his father. Also Homer Simpson. Also Homer Simpson. He got the name from a hairdryer. <laughs> And Batman stops him and tells him, you know, Bruce Wayne Batman, old Batman, old Batman stops Terry and is like, wait, don't do that. If you, if you try to, if you kill someone just to get revenge, then it'll consume you and it'll be everything, you'll turn into me and it'll be terrible. And so Terry doesn't kill him. And then basically every villain for the rest of Batman Beyond is created by Max Power being a dick. Like, it actually would have fixed everything if he had just killed the guy he wanted to kill at the beginning. And a lot of them end up getting killed by... By Terry. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you remember the Fantastic Four episode? Of... Of Batman Beyond? Where no! Wait, Fantastic Four? It, it's an homage to the Fantastic Four where there are these three scientists who, are work, who I think were working for Max Power. I don't really remember the specifics, but... They become this big homage to the Fantastic Four. One of them turns into this flaming rock guy. The other one, uh, I don't think he stretches. And then there's a woman who turns into a gas. And you know, okay. It's a really obvious Fantastic Four thing. And the one who's Mr. Fantastic goes kind of evil. And Terry ends up... Like Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. And Terry ends up killing, like, all three of them. And only one of them was evil. <laughs> Wow, I don't. I haven't seen that episode. Okay, I'm gonna I, re- I remember watching that one and going like, "That was really brutal." Okay, when we're done recording, I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure Batman Beyond is on Netflix. When we're done recording, I'm gonna watch that episode. Well, Terry didn't. Terry doesn't kill his bad guys. His bad guys fall it, off cliffs. His bad guys. His bad guys die like Scar. Well, it's it's like. Um, it's like how in Batman movies they feel the urge to kill off villain the villains for some reason, even though Batman specifically doesn't kill. That's his thing. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say he doesn't kill. He doesn't use a gun, mm. but... He has a no-killing rule, except when it's convenient. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to get broken up over killing. Except if it's the Joker, because God forbid the Joker ever die. Catwoman has a no-killing rule. Mm. Mostly because she wants to maintain a moral superiority to Batman. Well, Batman has... Batman mostly seems to have a no-killing rule when it comes to the Joker. Because there is a... There is... This story pissed me off so much. There is a story where the Joker is on trial for killing a specific person. Mm-hmm. He gets convicted. He gets the death penalty. Batman stops it because he's like, oh... The Joker didn't is actually being framed for this one specific murder. I can't let him die because of this one specific murder he didn't commit because of my no-killing policy. And I'm like, but he's killed so many other people. And this is the DC Universe. Death takes you out of commission for, like, a month. Okay, I feel really weird that we've pivoted to, like, superheroes. Because now we're talking about vigilante justice, and I actually think it's a good thing that Batman doesn't kill people, because... Yeah. I'm just saying he shouldn't go over the top to save the Joker. Oh, no, no, no. I... No, no, I'm with you there. I just want to bring it back around and say that Anna, 
a princess defending her kingdom definitely has the moral high ground and should kill Hans. Hmm. Yes. Accurate. But she doesn't! Also, just side note for Anna, I like how all of the guards immediately abandoned her, first for Ingrid and now for Hans, apparently, because Hans is like, now I'm in control of the castle, even though I was just literally unfrozen the same time you were. Well, I mean, we don't see any guards. Which, you know, I was mad at her for being like, we need new guards last episode, but no, you uh, apparently you do, because they're not here to protect the royal family at all. Well, and Hans says that he's going to take over the kingdom because Elsa is gone and she tried to kill Elsa by locking her in an urn. And who's who are the people going to believe? And it's like, well, you just tried to take over last month. Yeah, like literally everyone knew that you tried to take over their country. Why would a... And ignoring that, why would the line of succession go to a foreign royal power anyway? I just really feel like this whole flashback season, Elsa and Anna are not aware that they are sovereign rulers. It really seems like they're not. They're acting like, yeah, they're acting like prisoners in their own castle. They're acting like they're not literally in charge of everything that goes on here. Uh, but you know, you know what people in charge do do? Uh, fight their own battles, apparently. I mean, I'm just saying, Anna, despite the fact that she doesn't seem to understand that she should just call her guards and have these people arrested, Anna does manage to disarm them. Anna and Kristoff. I just want to point that out because although they didn't kill Hans, apparently Kristoff had no problem with stabbing one of his brothers with an ice pick good well i'm like that guy's dead right i mean he did it in the leg but that's not a small ice pick and we can tell from the sound effect that it went real hard into that dude so he's probably gonna bleed out the femoral artery bleeds out really fast i'm anyway they i don't know if he dies or not though But I do know that they don't kill Hans. They just lock him in another room. Not even in the dungeon. Just in another room. And then, based on what happens next, just forget about him. Right? That's what happened. They locked him in a room with, by the way, no food. If you're going to... I mean, I'm on board with killing him, but don't starve him to death. Uh, That is the room with all the chocolate Elsa had prepared for Anna. So he'll be fine. He'll get diabetes, but he'll be fine. She didn't even lock the door. They, like, closed the doors hard behind them as they left. He's not going to starve to death. I'm so annoyed that she didn't kill him. It's not fair because it, would, it wouldn't really make sense in this show, but... I'm mad she didn't go, hey, guards, lock that guy in the dungeon. They have a dungeon! Uh, all right, anyway. Back in Storybrooke. Uh, Hook is looking through his spyglass to see that the ice wall now extends in the water to stop uh, people from sailing away from the town. Yeah, uh, apparently they just now thought about sailing away, but also Ingrid just now realized that she should probably block off that path. Yeah. So Hook is being a sullen teenager here, which is kind of funny. Well, Well, I mean, fair. Rumpelstiltskin stole his heart and is using it to control him. Yeah, but the way they're acting... Rumpel's like, so you're going to have to do a job for me. And 
Hook's like, God, whatever, Dad. I just want to sit in my room and masturbate and watch, I don't know, MTV. It's really weird because Rumpel stole his heart, which, as we know, can be used to control people. But he's not actually using his heart to control him. Just the threat that he could control him with the heart. Also, side note, Hooks shouldn't be able to have emotions without his heart. I feel like they sort of forgot about that. No, you still have emotions. They're You're just, just dulled. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's acting so, like, he's mad, but he's petty. He's petty mad. He's comfortably numb. <laughs> anyway, Rumble tells him that his next mission is to fill the hat with magic. And since he didn't capture Emma in the hat, now he's going to send him off with the hat to capture all the fairies. Which yeah, he remembered the fairies exist. Also, he remembered he fucking hates fairies because he's like, he talks about them. He's like, there's a bunch of little insects buzzing around full of magic that I need you to suck into this hat. I mean, I think we're both on board with this, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the one part of the season, as we've mentioned before, the fairies show up like once a season to be helpful and solve all of the plot based problems. Uh, this time they're here to stop the uh, Shattered Sight thing, which obviously they can't do because we have one more episode before the new season starts. Yes. Hook's kind of disgusted, he's all, but if I suck the fairies into this hat, they can't stop the spell and everyone's going to die. And Rumpel's all, hey, guess who I don't really care about? Everyone. Yeah, Rumpel's like, not my problem. Rumpel's delightfully evil in this scene. He's very casual. And I think Rumpel's been reading some fanfic. Cause because he says, you mean because he says to Hook, you can, you can clench your jaw and flash your eyes at me all you want. You still have to do this. Yeah, which that's a you're right. That's a real slash fiction line or fan fiction in general. I don't think I've ever seen eyes flash in real life. Of course, I don't think eyes emote as much in real life as they do in fiction. That's probably true. Anyway. Elsewhere in Storybrook in the woods, Regina comes upon the uh, the Merry Men's campsite, and she's like, oh my god, you guys are so bad at werewolf protocol. You're all, like, right next to each other with weapons. That's the opposite of werewolf protocol. Like, Robin has literally armed his son with a bow and arrow, and she's like, no! No! Uh, Robin obviously didn't see uh, Planet Terror. What happens in Planet Terror? Uh, this woman gives her tiny, tiny child a gun during the zombie apocalypse, and the kid basically immediately shoots himself. Oh, god damn, that's dark. Because, you know, small children, not great with guns. Oof. So Robin's like, wait, the spell's going to happen here which i think leads credence to the fact that they haven't actually told anyone outside of their social circle about this and he yells for will and will's like my god i'm right fucking here dude you don't need to yell he sends you were so excited when will scarlet showed up i was so excited because his one line is you don't need to yell i'm literally right next to you Robin sends Will off with uh, his son, which doesn't seem like a great idea because 
Well, well, Scarlet is not the buffest man on this show, it does seem like it would be really easy for him to kill the tiny child. I don't know what their plan is. I was going to act like I know what their plan is. I don't know what their plan is. Anyway, now that Regina and Robin have a moment alone, Regina's all like, I want to look at you now while you still love me before you start hating me because of the spell of Shattered Sight. I want to see you look at me with love in your eyes instead of looking at me the same way everyone else in this town does. Everyone except Emma. Well, she says everyone except Henry. She says there's only two people in this town who care about me. You and Henry. And and I'm like, come on. Emma had that whole episode earlier this season where she was trying to get you to, you know, hold hands and make up. They did the, they did the, you want to build a snowman scene. Don't, don't. Don't act like you don't know Emma loves you. But no, she needed to see Robin do his concerned badger face one more time before the spell hit. (laughs) Compulsory heterosexuality is a hell of a drug. So uh, this is the part of the episode where they remember that locator spells are a thing. Yeah, except this... Okay, so not only are locator spells a thing, but there's two types of locator spells. Apparently. There's the locator spell where you pour it on the object and the object races away and you have to chase it. And that's what that's what Elsa used last episode with Emma's scarf to find Emma. Now they're using the locator spell where it's basically a game of hot and cold. Where the object glows brighter the closer you get to the person. Elsa's got Anna's necklace and she's following the glow. Yes. Which is leading them to the library. And can I just say, this necklace is a dick. It really is. Okay, so the necklace is leading them to the library. Which will lead them to the underground tunnels. Which will lead them to the beach, which they could just walk to right now. This tunnel, this necklace is taking them a super circuitous route to get to the beach. You can, like, I know the setup of Storybrook is inconsistent at best, but you couldn't probably see the beach from the library the way we've seen the town be, the way we've seen the town set up in the past. Like, the docks are right there. Yes! Anyway, back in the Arendelle flashback, Kristoff and Anna are talking about what to do now, and Kristoff doesn't want to go fight an evil wizard to get the urn back. Smart. Yes. And Anna's all like, I didn't say he was evil. He is, but... Yes. But she also mentions that, unbeknownst to us, she found out another reason her parents went to Misthaven, and that was to locate a wishing star. So that they could wish Elsa's magic away? Apparently, this seems like a really big, important magical item to bring up halfway through this episode that's almost at the end of the season. But they went to a pirate to get the wishing star, and they can just go to another set of pirates and see if they can find the wishing star for them. And wish the urn back and get Elsa out of it. And... I mean, to be fair, that's super close to how this plot is going to resolve itself. Yeah. Accurate. But <clears throat> Anna's counting on a bunch of stuff lining up pretty quickly there. And it does! <laughs> I mean, that's the theme of this episode, right? Anyway, in present day storybook... They're down in the tunnels that are underneath the library, and, you know, the necklace is basically indicating to them that they need to go through one of the walls, which is a real bitchy thing for the necklace to do when it could have just taken them around. 
Hey, it's it's the most direct route. I well, guess. but that's the thing; it didn't take them the most direct route. Yeah, that's why it's so, the the necklace is just the necklace is just really uh, mean. a douche. Yeah. So back in Arendelle, they found Blackbeard's ship because Blackbeard was indeed the pirate that uh, you know has the wishing star, and. They immediately find the ship, and they immediately find Blackbeard. Just like Anna knew they would. Yeah. And Boy, things are really uh, lining up for Kristoff and Anna, huh? Yep. And Anna's like, hi. Oh, you, you know, we uh, we skipped we we skipped over her explaining that her plan involved buying the Wishing Star from Blackbeard and pointing out to Kristoff that their superpower is that they're they're rich. And they so just, they've got Batman superpower. They do. They can just buy shit. And I, I kind of, this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, I'm so mad at her for not killing Hans, but I love her for the line of all of the things we're rich in. One of them is riches. So Blackbeard's like, okay, yeah, I can deal with that. You know what? You can have the wishing star, but it will cost you my weight in gold. And honestly, I'm not sure that our treasury is that big, lard ass. I know it's a silly throwaway thing, but I kind of love the the little comedic back and forth that creates with Anna. Like, well, I, I don't want to guess your weight because that seems really rude. So 200 pounds of gold? Like, this is an adorable back and forth, uh, which is interrupted by Hans. Ha ha ha. It turns out closing a door on someone isn't super effective in keeping them trapped. You know, Anna's bad at werewolf protocol, too. Mm. I mean, that's not what they're doing, but she would be bad at it. Back in Storybook, everybody's back at the library, and now they're looking at a map of the tunnels to try to figure out what the necklace was trying to tell them. And Regina points out that the infrastructure is a mess, and that she would not have stood for this when she was the mayor. And Mary Margaret says, well, it's a lot easier to be the mayor if there's only one villain in town and it's you. And it's like... Oh, come on. Look, I'm the last person to give Snow credit, and I'm going to give her credit for that. That That was good shade. Yeah, solid point. Regina is, once again, we haven't seen Regina being fairy tale racist in a while, and we do here. Well, yeah, she calls the dwarfs munchkins. Yeah. And... Because they're all arguing about, you know, how they're going to find Anna. And then something happens which makes me very upset. Oh, really? David has a legitimately good point. Oh, no! Yeah, David says, okay, so I know we do need to find Anna eventually, but if the fairies can just use the magic that's already in the necklace to break the spell, why don't we just do that? That is a good point. And it gets brought up by Bell. Bell. Bell says, well, if they use the magic in the necklace to uh, break the spell, then it'll destroy the necklace. And I guess then we can't use it to, find, to feel the locator spell. But wouldn't you still be able, like, is it going to utterly obliterate it? Yes. Okay, yeah, fine. We did see that with uh, Regina's ring in season one. And I mean, that's, I gotta figure out, season one seems so long ago. And I mean that's a that's a fair problem for them to have. The thing is, there would be other ways to find Ada. 
Yeah, I mean, she'd just be missing a little while longer. Well, I mean, although actually, it, it's it's funny because when we were watching this episode, you were you you pointed out it's not like she's dying right this second if you don't use the necklace to find her. But spoiler alert, she is. She is dying right this second if you don't use the necklace to find her. But you know they don't know that. Yeah, they just know she's alive and well and this is in a, a tunnel. This is another example of them jumping to a weird conclusion that it turns out is true. Yeah. So Rumpel is having a little bit of a problem because Belle is hanging out with the fairies, and he needs to get her away from the fairies so Hook can suck them into the hat. Yep. It's odd fairy magic is kind of they're doing the thing regina did where they've got a whole bunch of chemistry equipment set up um every time we've seen fairy magic in storybook as opposed to in the enchanted forest i feel like it's resembled chemistry more than magic Mm. i also think it's weird that they co-opted uh grannies for this seeing as they do have you know a convent that is weird and presumably all their stuff was there yeah are they doing weird experiments in the convent that they don't want Belle to know about? Okay. Again, a much more interesting show is happening around this one. Anyway, well, Rumple is trying to figure out how to separate Belle from the fairies, the fight about what to do with the necklace is still going on in the library. And I really like Regina's point here, where she says, you know, you can't save everyone I know you think you can because you're heroes, but right now what you have to be is a leader who makes tough decisions and not a hero who just assumes everyone can be saved. Hey, if Snow was queen for more than like a month, she would know this. What's really weird is that Snow's like, yeah, you're right. The needs of the many do outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one, in this case, who they don't know is actually in imminent danger. Yes. It's such a non-argument if you don't know the exact situation, which they don't, but... I... yeah. Like, there's one missing but alive person... Who's pro- who, as far as they know, isn't about to drown. <laughs> um, yeah, but while they're having this discussion... Uh... Elsa sort of freaks out and wanders off with Anna's necklace, which is conveniently being held in a tiny holding satchel well it's it's a jewelry bag yeah it's a little yeah it's a little blue jewelry bag that's it's normal it just, it's a normal thing where'd they get it though well gold was set remember gold had it for sale in his shop uh, so, so it was probably it was probably there as part of the display but uh elsa hands them the tiny bag but we see that she secretly still has the necklace yeah she did some sleight of hand also, way to not check that at all. Um, well, because they're heroes, they're trusting. So they run over to the fairies with the necklace, except it's not the necklace. It's a bag full of rocks. Yep. I got a rock. And Regina has this great line where she's like, I should I should have known better than to trust blondes by now. Uh, that, Yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm loving everyone's lines in this episode. And then Regina's like, all right, all right, Snow, give us the hope speech. And Snow's like, I am fresh out of hope. And Regina's like, shit, this is grave. So 
Emma's going to find Elsa, kick her ass, and bring back the necklace. And they're like, uh, yeah, it's too late for that. You are, we are literally out of time. We do not have time. And she's like, well, oh, yeah, for some reason it's going to take more time to make the spell with the necklace than with Anna. So Emma's like, okay, Hail Mary then. I guess we'll go find Anna. Which, you know, whatever. Back against the wall is the only thing you can conceivably do. So, Emma immediately finds Elsa in the mine, and Elsa ice blasts her way through the wall that was stopping them earlier. Yeah, didn't you know that um, ice excavation was one of the ice powers? Apparently. God, I didn't know ice magic was that versatile. Now, before when they were in the tunnels and the necklace was telling them to go through the wall... They didn't because Emma was like, um, I'd rather that the whole thing didn't cave in. And that's resolved by it not being an issue. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, Elsa's like, fuck it. If it caves in, it caves in. And then it doesn't. All right. And anyway, the it, when they go through the tunnel, they're outside and on the beach. And seriously, that necklace is a bitch. Yeah. It's like behind the library. There's no way that was the shortest point. No, absolutely not. Anyway, they're on the beach and the necklace is still glowing, but Anna's not here. So what does that even mean? It could mean that she's not in this land. Remember when they were looking for Eric and they used his cape and then it went into the water and they were like, well, he must have drowned. And it's like, no, keep following the cape, bitch. Although really it was. The Wicked Witch of the West in disguise. Oh my god, that that season. Anyway, back in the flashback. So, it turns out that Hans apparently immediately took over the country and claimed the treasury. Yeah. So, man, the people of Arendelle have, like, no loyalty to the royal family. Also, wasn't there, like, a council in the movie that decided who got to rule? No. Remember the, you know, well, the I, bishop I mean, person, and she had to go through that thing where she said all that crap in front of those people? Well, she was being coronated. Yeah. I'm assuming she had a small council or something. I'm sure she did. We don't see that in the movie, but yes, I'm sure she did. Um, yeah, he says that not only is he has he taken over the kingdom, but he's stolen their treasury, and he was rolling around in their gold all day. And I was like, you're a pervert. Well, she's like, and you also, were rolling around. Ow. Yeah, you were rolling around on gold bars. Why and ow? And again, I, I, mean, I am charmed by her. I am charmed by the words coming out of her mouth and annoyed that she hasn't killed Hans yet. So, she, she seems to still think that she can make this deal go with the pirate captain. Well, I mean, she's got money, right? So she's like, wait. She about, doesn't have money, though. Hans has her money. It's, oh, this all... You know what? I remembered this particular plot happening over several episodes, and a byproduct of it being so rushed is that it's weird and makes no sense. It makes no sense that Hans was able to take over the kingdom and the treasury that quickly, and that there was no one there keeping an eye on the treasury. None of this makes any sense. Anyway, Blackbeard also, like... Info dumps a bunch of stuff on Anna and tells her that the wishing star can only be used by people who are pure of heart and also her parents already had it. And also he killed her parents. 
by creating the storm that sunk them? Well, I mean, I think we're to understand that it wasn't actually a storm that sunk them, but that he, like... I don't know. As we find out later in this episode, apparently he's BFFs with mermaids, and we know they can make storms. Okay, maybe he did make the storm. Hans says that he's going to send them to a place called Death. And Kristoff, who I like, although, God, he's so Nathaniel here. He's like, I don't think Death's a place. And Hans is all... Well, I guess you're going to find out, ass face. Yep. Okay, then we go from them being taken prisoner on the dock. Cut to commercial. They're still on the same deck of the boat in a very similar position, but apparently now they're... Now they've been sailing for several hours. It's a really awkward... It's a really awkward cut because now they're supposed to be in the middle of the ocean, but it's... it. You know what? It wasn't well... Not only the middle of the ocean, the exact place where their parent's ship went down. Yes. So when they're thrown overboard, her bones will mingle with her parents, which is a... It's weird that he's... that Invested in killing her? Not invested in killing her, invested in killing her that specifically. Because when Blackbeard brings out a trunk to shove her and Kristoff in, Hans is all... But the bones! How's her, how are her bones going to mingle with her mother's if they're in a trunk? And Blackbeard says, well, once I was thrown overboard by a rival captain, but a mermaid saved me, so it's better not to leave these things up to chance. Yeah, so he's going to lock them both in a chest, which is actually going to be important for the climax. But also, also, he says this way they'll die without any interference. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like interference, but mermaids have fins, so it's finterference. So the trunk will make sure they die without finterference. Yes. And Anna's, you know, my sister is, my sister's an evil witch and she's coming to kill you. And Hans is like, well, she didn't manage to break out of the urn in the last 30 years, so I'm not super worried right now. And I control your vast navies and vast armies and... But the important piece of information is that... It's been 30 years. They were frozen for 30 years. Now, I don't know. If I'm Hans, I'm thinking I was frozen for 30 years, and now all of a sudden I'm not. Maybe I should be concerned about who's coming to kill me. Yeah, I mean, as far as he knows, Ingrid's still out and about. Anyway... He says, if Elsa hasn't found a way out of the urn in the last 30 years, she's not going to now. Which, if she had been frozen at the same time as everyone else, how does he know that she's not out and about? Yeah. He has... Well, I mean, I guess he assumes that if she was out and about, the first thing she would do is go back to Arendelle. Which, I guess, is logical. But, anyway. Anyway. They throw the trunk overboard with Anna and Kristoff in it. Into a place, by the way, they've been calling Poseidon's Boneyard and not Davy Jones's Locker. Which bothered me, but Ugh. whatever. I, I have to start letting things go. Poseidon's Boneyard is the place that he'd fuck mermaids. So, under the sea, we see the, uh, I guess... 
Anna and Elsa's mom didn't actually have a glass bottle with a message in it guiding power because we see that it immediately landed right outside of the wreckage of her ship, which of, conv- her, of her mother's ship, yeah, of her mother's ship, which is conveniently where Anna and Kristoff are now in a trunk. Well, that's that's yeah, the trunk lands right outside of where her parents' ship sunk. Which I know that Blackbeard said that that's where he was dumping them, but. How did, ugh, ugh. Why? I mean, I guess for the flair of it, but... That seems like a lot of work. Like, who are you going to the... I, points for style, but why are you going to all that extra effort, man? I have a feeling that it was Hans that made him do that, because Hans seemed weirdly invested in her bones mingling with her mom's. God, he's such a drama queen. Speaking of... um. So, the scene of Anna and Kristoff drowning inside of a trunk is intercut with Elsa freaking out on a beach while holding the pendant that she had given Anna. The star necklace pendant? The, well, we've been thinking of it as a snowflake, but yeah, you know, it does kind of look like a star. Interesting. And so uh, this is actually 30, so this flashback is actually 30 years past what we thought it was, you say. Yes. Interesting. We got little hints, like, for example, the Blackbeard referring to being thrown overboard by a rival, and the fact that the ship he's on is the Jolly Roger. Oh, yes, of course. So, Kristoff manages to free his hands, so, I don't know, he can hug Anna before they die. Well, he's gonna untie her, and I mean, they're gonna try to break out of the trunk, like, like, uh... Like Beatrice Kiddo buried alive in Kill Bill 2, mm. but less effective because they're not trained martial arts assassins. Uh, this would be a really good time to have Mitch Buchanan around. A sentence which has never been said by anyone else ever. His save. It's a wish pendant. Yeah. This would be a really good time for Emma Caulfield to show back up, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be good. Or, if we're going with your uh, theory about Blue... Blue being a, yes. A vengeance demon. So, on the beach, Elsa finally figures out the right words to say. I wish the goblins would come and take my brother away forever and never bring him back. Damn it, you got there first. Anyway, she finally figures out the right combination of words and says, I wish my sister were with me. And then the chest washes up onto the beach, and Anna and Kristoff pop out. Wow, what a coincidence that they happen to be drowning at the same time Elsa happened to be making a wish on this necklace, which is apparently magic, even though that's never come up at any point before in this season. Isn't it? It's really convenient she didn't make the wish ten minutes later, because then she'd have just gotten the bloated corpse of her sister and brother-in-law. Dark. (laughs) Just, I mean, is it wrong? Fucking dark, (laughs) Also, I love that they I love that they gave us this complicated reason why they were locked in a chest, but the real reason they were locked in a chest is so that Kristoff would come along with the wish. Kristoff and Well, that doesn't make sense cuz that wasn't in the chest. But yes. It just got sucked up by the current of the wish. Yes, the bottle with the message that Elsa and Anna's mother had written to them at the beginning of the uh at the beginning of the season has also popped up because it got caught up in the wish 
Yes, although it has it has popped up, but it has not yet been discovered. So we'll we'll get that next episode. So back at Granny's, uh, Belle and Rumple are kind of throwing shade at the fairies. Well, Rumple finally figured out that the best way to get Belle out of there is to tell her the truth, which is that the fairies are incompetent, and she should come and let him take care of her. Although. I think the better point is that the fairies do all of their best work off screen. That is accurate. Yeah, so all the main characters should avoid the fairies so they could actually get something done. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, there's like a... Okay, the next couple of scenes are really weird because they're kind of like catching Anna up on what's been going on all season. And first of all... Saying everything that's been happening this season all in a row so that it sounds crazy is our shtick, okay? But also, everybody, but also everybody watching the show already knows. I, I understand they have to catch Anna up, but again, that could happen off screen. So, back at Granny's, Hook is sucking all the fairies into a hat, and Blue, being of course the leader of the fairies and the most powerful one, is like, "Fuck you, bitches." I'm out of here, and makes a mad dash for the exit. Yep, she's hiding behind a counter, and super powerful fairy can't defend herself from Hook, who sucks her up with the Fantasia hat. This would have been a good time to shrink back into fairy form and then fly out the back. Can she do that in Storybrooke? She can use magic in Storybrooke. Can she shrink down, though? Hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Hook, Hook has captured all of the fairies, Right before the girls show up, and they assume that the Snow Queen has wrecked all this havoc. Has ice teleported the fairies away? Hey, you know what? Ice does everything, apparently. And Hook is kind of hiding behind that counter where he just captured the blue fairy, feeling all guilty as he hears them talk about the evil person who's just taken over the fairies and how they're all doomed now. Boy, it's really, really lucky for him that they didn't look into the store at all. Well, there's a... I mean, yes. They they open the door, they walk in, they're like, oh, place is all wrecked up. Guess we better leave without investigating this. I mean, I know the spell's about to hit. Yeah, they've got a lot of shit to do. They are not prepared at all. No one is prepared. I am... You know what? As somebody who likes to plan ahead, I am outraged at how little everybody has prepared for this spell that's about to hit. Bad at werewolf protocol. They are bad at werewolf protocol. So Rumple's going to seal Belle in the shop with a protection spell. Makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. You know why that makes sense? Uh, Because he can break it because he's immune to the spell. Because he's not going to be affected by the spell. It wouldn't make sense, for instance, for Regina to do it. Because she's going to be affected by the spell. And, you know, she can basically... I love how Belle has the uh, closed sign on the door as Rumpel's doing that. I didn't even notice that. She's, there's, a, there's a giant curse that's going to cause everyone in town to turn murderous, and she flips the sign to close. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Everybody in, this scene, everybody in this episode is sarcastic and adorable, and I love it. And also, they're all making the wrong decisions. So... Hook runs up with the hat, and he's like, so here's the hat with all the fairies in it. Just go ahead and kill me, bro. And Rumpel's like, nah. Uh, like, I really don't want to deal with you that much, so I'm going to do my own thing. Don't worry. I'll You're most di- likely kill you in the morning. Ugh. 
So back at the police station, everyone's getting ready to, uh, you know, lock themselves up for the curse. And David sees Kristoff coming through, shoves his wife out of the way to run up to him and embrace him. Yeah. And they're friends. They're guy pals. Yeah, they're just dudes being bros. Yeah. Oh, this part is so awkward because they're reminding us that Kristoff and and David knew each other back in the before time. And then they're talking about how he's like, David, you got a haircut. And he's like, Kristoff, you got a haircut. And Anna's like, yeah, and you both look like shit. (laughs) And then and then David's like, oh, Joan. And then she has to awkwardly explain that it was a code name, which is weird because it didn't make sense then. And you don't have time for this now. <clears throat> so. Yeah, guys, there's a spell coming. So David and Mary Margaret are going to be locked in the adjoining cells, and Kristoff is just going to hook himself to a desk. Yeah, with handcuffs. Which, by the way. There has to be a better thing to hook yourself to than a desk. Yeah, that desk is really movable. They should have hooked him to, like. He's just going to, like, I think he does it to a drawer. He's just going to pop the drawer out, right? Yeah. that They should have hooked him to, like, the radiator or something. Also, they should have handcuffed Snow and locked Kristoff in the cell, since Kristoff is the person who's more physically powerful than Snow. Yeah. Fit hot guys have problems, too. See, there are a few more Nathaniel songs. Yeah, there are. I, I'm saving nothing is anybody's fault for next episode. <laughs> Also, it doesn't seem brilliant to have Snow and David in a joint. Like, I know they don't have a choice, but... I'm afraid I must disagree with you. It is brilliant to have David and Snow in adjoining cells. Honestly, it's the greatest gift this show can give us because, spoiler alert, guys, the spell of Shattered Sight is going to hit, and we're just going to get to see David and Snow be nasty to each other. I just think they could strangle each other really easily through those bars. Oh, dare to dream. But Mary Margaret tosses her baby at... She remembered she had a baby, and she she tosses baby Neil at Emma, because she's like, you know, you're going to be unaffected by the spell, and it's super easy to kill babies, so I probably shouldn't have this with me. Yep, but then Emma passes the baby off to Elsa to take care of so that she can do her weird, awkward goodbye with Hook. Yeah, she goes rat hole to rat hole with him, and it looks super awkward and uncomfortable. She's all like, I don't want to kiss you goodbye because I don't want to do a like weird goodbye thing. She's like, but also we might both die, so I think I have no choice. And then she kisses him in a really unsexy manner. Yeah, it's unfortunate. She's not wearing her red leather jacket. She's wearing a brown one. We've seen the brown one before. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that she hasn't really... I don't know. I feel like later, in later seasons, she settles into her iconic look more. You're right, though, that this season we haven't seen her in her iconic jacket. Huh. I don't think. I mean, again, we're not going to go through all of the episodes just to check, but... I'm pretty sure you're right, though. So Anna will be immune to this, so she's going to be keeping an eye on everyone, you know, who isn't immune to the spell of shattered sight yeah that's totally safe right like she's immune from the spell she's not immune from being killed by people who are affected by the spell although 
Interestingly enough, Emma brought that up earlier to Elsa. She said, people are going to be trying to kill us when the spell comes, because even though we're not going to be affected by it, everyone else will be. You know what would be awesome? I know it's not what's going to happen because I've seen this episode, but wouldn't it be awesome if instead of killing people, the spell Shattered Sight just made you really bitchy to people? It just made you like tell people what you really thought of them? That would be pretty great. And honestly, that is sort of how it begins. It just ramps up from there. I would be so into an episode that was just like everyone walking around being Leroy to everyone. It would be pretty great. In Regina's office, I mean, I guess it's Snow's office. It has that awful bird painting in it now. She's like, okay, I'm going to seal you in here so no one can get in and you'll be safe during this whole Spell of Shattered Sight thing. And he and Henry's all, yeah, I don't care about that. We're working on the author thing. I'm still really invested in that because I want this season to be over soon. Well, I mean, he's only got one godlike power now. At the end of next season, he'll have two. Hmm. And honestly, he hasn't really had that much to do this season. They they started the Apprentice thing, but that went nowhere, so... Okay, this is the thing I've been talking about, though. Regina's gonna magically seal him into this office. But she could just unseal it, right? Or teleport inside it. I mean, even if we assume she can't teleport through her own magic, she can certainly unseal it. Maybe she used blood magic. is blood okay i was thinking about that i know we said that it probably wouldn't work because adopted family is real family so right so blood magic should like they should be able they should both be able to break a spell that she uses with blood magic but i this isn't a thing that's going to reward deep thought no and honestly she Spoilers for next episode, but she goes for the people she hates the most first. So maybe she thought she'd be killing her way through most of the town before she got to Henry. Wouldn't it be hilarious if, like, there were a couple people who weren't affected by the spell of Shattered Sight, but were just like, ooh, free pass! Because I got the impression that the spell of Shattered Sight, the reason it worked, the reason it was so effective, is because it made you go after the people you loved the most, not the people you hated. Yeah, as we see, that didn't really pan out. Uh, oh well Eh, whatever season's almost over (laughs) so robin shows up and he's like uh i just wanted to see you one more time before this murder spell kicks in and she's like they already did their last goodbye in the forest do you think this episode was running short i don't know anyway okay this is like my favorite shot in the whole episode all right in the jail cell, David and Mary Margaret are all like, It's okay. Our love can overcome anything. Remember, we each only have half of a heart. And uh. they're all like clasping hands and loving each other. And of course, we're flashing to everybody else in town as they're all preparing for the spell to like wash over them. A lot of good overhead shots here. Although I will point out all of the merry men are still hanging out together. Everyone's bad at werewolf protocol. Anyway, this the, the mirror pieces start to fall from the sky and the glass starts to go everywhere and we see we see the same eye effect we saw with Anna last week where David and Mary Margaret's eyes get like glassed over and then crack the way the mirror the way the mirror cracks. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they just look up at each other and they fucking hate each other. Okay. It's amazing. 
I know this is really super immature of me, but I I deemed Mary Margaret's look of distrust and hatred here the who farted look. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. So I don't know if we've got a lot of stuff for segments this week. Yeah, there's not really a direct Frozen reference outside of the fact that her parents died. Yeah, I mean, I guess, Their parents we, I guess we see the shipwreck. Ugh. And uh, nobody changed clothes, so there's no clothes to look at. Yeah, we're running weak on segments. Oh, what a shame. So I guess that's going to do us until next week when we'll do... You know, okay, I have to say, I'm still on board with this season being the best season. Mm. But... For the last, like, five weeks, we've been saying, oh, we're almost to the finale. Yeah. Next week is actually the finale. Wait, right? Yes. Yes. Next week is actually the finale. I think it's all just been because there isn't really filler this season. Well, it's it's very propulsive. Like, yeah. we're, we're, yes. The plot is clipping along at a solid pace. So, when three episodes ago was, like, the intro to the finale... But all of this stuff has been necessary to set up the finale. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Smash the Mirror Part 1, Smash the Mirror Part 2, Fall, and then Spell of Shattered Sight uh, are the, you know, the, the last four episodes of the season. And the way it's structured, they really are a four-part season finale. Yeah, it's just when your season is 11 episodes and your finale's four episodes... <laughs> Yep. It's a pretty healthy chunk of the season. Well, I mean, that's probably why the pacing felt so good this season. Yeah. All right. So that will do us until we talk about the real finale, which I should point out is, is a half season finale. Mm, yes, because. Um, but the, the real finale next yeah. week. And then we're going to get into uh, the three witches story. Are we? No, we're not. Yeah, because that's the other part of the author. Oh, Okay. But then they get their own season the next season. No, that's part of the author season. Oh, it is? They don't have their own season? I was thinking of the author and the three witches as being... Nope, same season. Oh. Sorry. That's a shame. Yeah. But uh, remember, we're gonna get Lily. Oh, well, not enough, but... Not enough of Lily, but we'll get to that. Yes. Yes, we will. (laughs) But for now... Yes. Uh, So that'll do us for this week. This show is partially patron-supported. You can become one of those patrons by going to our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com. You can also get our old episodes there. I'd like to thank our $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Cassidy, Alec, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. Now, if you'd like to support us in other ways, you can also help us out by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. It helps other people find us. If you want to talk about this episode, you can head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. If you have a question or comment, send us an email at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. So until next week, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this is Welcome to Storybook. Won't somebody come take me home? It's a day.